But you know, I've had more conversations with you over the ending of 2018, and many of you shared the same sentiment that I already felt, and that was this. 2018 flew by, right? It was like a whirlwind of a year. In fact, it almost was like it didn't even happen. Does anybody else feel that way? Like you were from Christmas to Christmas and you were just wondering where the other 364 days actually went. It just flew by. And maybe like me, in that whirlwind of 2018, you left things undone, boxes unchecked, and goals unmet, because I know that I sure did. And last week, Lucas shared with us the path to success taken out of the life of Joshua right after he becomes leader of this nation of Israel upon the death of Moses. And if you weren't here, definitely go listen to it online, but I want to give you a quick recap because we're going to pick up right from that moment and go forward. And so the path to success, the roadmap of what a successful life looks like is this, serve the mission. Now, if you'll remember way back to our Kingdom Keepers series, we all have a personal kingdom, and then there's God's kingdom. But if we serve our personal kingdom, if we grow our own mission, it's going to lead to brokenness and hurt and pain because God's mission is always greater. That's where the fulfillment is. And so if we want a successful life, we need to serve His mission not our own. Step into that bigger of God's story. Submit to the truth. There really are absolutes in this life. And to submit to the truth means wrestling through what we believe and who we believe God is. Is he the creator or not? Because if he is, then it would make sense that he knows the best way for each of us to live. And then study the scriptures. God's revealed himself to us here. And if we want to know who he is, then we need to know what he says about himself in this book. And this morning, we're going to continue walking from that point, Joshua 1, verse 10, all the way through to Jericho, as Joshua walks this path of success all the way through from dream to destination. And he gives just a few commands to the nation of Israel on the way. Here's the reality. If I were to sit you down one-on-one -on -one right now, you could probably tell me what God is asking of you for 2019. You probably already know the relationships that God is asking you to strengthen. You probably already know the disciplines that he's asking you to deepen. You probably already know the dreams that he's asking you to pursue for this year. You probably already know them. But nothing changes if nothing changes. Even though you already know them, you will not attain them if you don't walk towards them. Nothing changes if nothing changes. That's why we did the Trained Up series in the fall about the spiritual disciplines that help our faith to grow because nothing changes if nothing changes. And 2019 is going to be another whirlwind year. I hate to break it to you. 
The days are speeding up. They're not getting slower. I've yet to talk to anyone that's like, yeah, the years, man, they go in slow motion as I age. Right? That's not how it happens. The years just get faster. And we're going to blink and we're going to wake up in 2020. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And so we need to put the intentionality in of walking the path to success if we want to see it. Again, turn to Joshua in your Bible, starting in Joshua chapter 1. And it's really close to the front of your Bible. It's after the life of Moses, so the first five books of your Bible. And then Deuteronomy is the last of those fifth books. And you're into Joshua right at the beginning of the chapter. Well, as you're flipping, I'm going to pray. God, I thank you so much that you have laid out a framework for us to success. There is absolutely nothing that we can face that you look at and go, whoa, didn't expect that. And you've already made provision for us on how to handle it. We have your word and we have your spirit. And so there's nothing that can blindside us. And so this morning, would you help us to have open hearts to receive your word as you walk the Israelites through to their success and the wisdom that we can take from it to have a successful year. Not how we define success. God, help us not to get trapped up in that. That success is not keeping up with the Joneses or pursuing all of our own kingdom dreams this year. That's not success. Would you help us to walk the path towards success as your eyes see it and as your words decree it? In your precious name, amen. So again, we're starting in Joshua 1. If you don't have your Bibles with you, head on over to whichever app store works on your device and download version, Y-O-U version. And it's a great free digital Bible that you can get there. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week in Joshua 1, verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. This is the public directive that Joshua gives everyone. Get your provisions ready. Gather what you're going to need for this journey. Gather what you're going to need to reach the dream that God's laid on our heart. But that's not where Joshua leaves it. No, he goes and he does something else very quietly in Joshua 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, sent, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and, sent, and stayed there. Do the work that the dream requires. Prepare for it, but also study for it. Now, Kaylee is our little entrepreneur. She has always been an entrepreneur. Ever since she was as young as she could walk. And I think she gets that from her dad. If you have not heard some of Lucas's 
wonderful business models. When he was in elementary school, you'll have to ask him after because it's fantastic and he'll have you rolling on the floor laughing. He was Tom Sawyer, I was going to say, right? Yeah, getting kids to paint the fence for him. Yeah. And Kaylee is very much the same. She is her dad's daughter for real. And we worked on Mondays, which happened to be my dad's day off. So all summer, Mondays were known as Papa Days, when our kids would spend the entire day with their papa and do all sorts of fun things, and then some mundane things like weed pulling and things like that. And I can't tell you how many times we would come home after the mundane days to a stand in our front yard. And on that stand would be virtually anything from your lemonade stand to baking with no recipe, eat at your own risk, to art, this whole big art display that would be done because she's got quite the artistic edge, to all of our belongings on the front yard because we were having a garage sale. And those days would often end in tears as the big bad mom would force her to pick up everything that she was ready to sell and bring it back into our home. Because the other thing about Kaylee is that she is generous in a way that humbles us and teaches us as parents to be generous. And she had all of these amazing people and organizations that she just thought, who needs a blender, right? We can just give it to this amazing cause. And so our new motto for Kaylee became business plan. If you wanted to have an entrepreneurial pursuit, we, as your parents, needed a business plan. And it saved us a lot of heartache and packing up everything from then on. Because we needed to teach Kaylee that the dream is fantastic. The dream is exciting. The dream is the thing that gets you up. But the dream is going to require sacrifice. And the dream is going to require hard work. And anything that's going to succeed means that you have to count the cost ahead of time. Anything that's going to succeed is going to take preparation. And the mission that we're on is too important to give up when it gets hard. The mission that we're on is too important to give up just because we didn't gather the right preparations and provisions at the beginning. Your marriage, it's too important. Your kids, they're too important. That neighbor that needs to know Jesus, they're too important. Do the hard work. Gather the provisions. Start with the things that are obvious. If you want to get healthy, start with your grocery list. Right? The obvious. If you want a better marriage, start with a conversation. Start with the little obvious, tangible things. Gather your preparations. But that's not where Joshua keeps the people. He goes a step further, and so do we. Send the spies into the promised land. I'm not talking about grade school stuff. Like going to friends and being like, hey, can you talk to my spouse? And ask them what they're thinking and then report back to me. 
We're not going to do the junior high stuff. We're not going to start this gossip train of how do I strengthen relationships with people in the church. No. What I mean is doing the hard work on our knees. Because we have one who sees the battle that we're not in yet. We have one who knows the heart of your spouse, who knows the heart of your kids, who knows the exact strategy that's going to be successful and the strategy that's going to fail in every pursuit that we're going into. But do we spend the time to send the spies into the promised land and hear the report? Or do we rush ahead in what we think is obvious? Because the obvious alone is not going to win the battle. The obvious alone is going to give us one step of a foothold only to get defeated and bowled over later. Because what we really need in order to succeed and walk the path of success towards the dreams that God's given us is the creativity that we have never had. What we need is the miracle that we can't conjure. What we need is the freshness that we would never be able to come up with on our own. What we need is the report from the spies in the promised land. Don't gather the preparations alone. Don't just do the hard work of your own strength and your own ideas and your own... No. Do it. Do what God's asking you to do. Do the obvious. Do your work. But then spend time in his presence listening. That's so hard, isn't it? So much easier to talk. Listening. And the spies come back with a good report that everyone in Jericho is terrified. They're melting in fear. I love that description. They're melting in fear. We hear it over and over in this passage. And so the Israelites, being prepared, having done the hard work of gathering their provisions, set out. Flip over to Joshua 3. Just right from the top. We're going to just go from the top of these chapters. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before." But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves and follow after God, because you've never been this way before. And I don't know about you, but that sentence is like the whole of human life. Right? Follow after me because you've never been this way before. Life, to me, just seems like a series of getting lost. Anyone else where you're just like, oh, how did this happen? Where are we? How do I find my way out? The first road trip that Lucas and I took following our honeymoon road trip to Victoria was to Kelowna. We were living in Surrey at the time, and so... 
that was where district conference happened to be. And a few days ahead of district conference, they hold what's called Time Out, which is just an extended conference just for next generation pastors. And we set out. Lucas was driving and I was navigating. Now, little secret that won't be a secret anymore and really is never a secret is that I am severely directionally challenged. I don't know what we were thinking, but maybe it was that we had to hold the gear shift in fifth. We had this little tercel that didn't stay there, so maybe it's just that Lucas was stronger for the like four-hour drive and could hold that gear shift in fifth. So for all of our teens in the room, this is pre-smartphones, and we didn't have a GPS unit in our car yet. We got one after this trip. So we, for real, we set out with a map, myself, and a very good idea of where we were going. Now here's the clincher. I've never been to Kelowna. I don't know what possessed me to decide I had a really good idea of where I was going, but I did. I was convinced that I knew how to get to Kelowna. Well, when the signs came up for Sorrento, despite, yeah, Sorrento, despite my assurances that we were on the right path, Lucas decided to pull in and ask for directions. We pulled into the church in Kelowna seven and a half hours after we left our house, very, very quietly. <laughs> My idea that I had a really good sense of where we were going cost us four hours and a ton of relational stress. And life is kind of like that, right? We start out and we are convinced that we know the right way. We are sure to the core of our beings that we have a really good idea of how to get there. But the reality is that you've never been this way before. So what would give us the idea that we knew where we were going. This year, in June, we become parents of a teenager. I've never been this way before. And all of the years in youth and next-gen ministries, they're not going to help us know exactly how to navigate our teen. If I set out with a good idea of how this thing should play out, of where I should go, I'm going to end up hopelessly lost, giving up precious time, and causing a lot of relational stress. And so on the way to Jericho, God urges his people, don't get lost. You've never been here before, but you know what? I know where we're going. I know exactly the path that you need to walk to get there, so follow me. But following God is about proximity, and it's also about our character. 
What does he ask the people of Israel? He says, follow after me so that you'll get there, but also consecrate yourself. Because the truth is that we can follow closely after God in action and not follow him at all in our heart. We can follow God closely externally and be as far from him as possible internally. Proximity is only half of the equation here. He says, follow me in character, just as you do in proximity. And as we follow God into the new year, that's my question to you. How are you following God? Are you following close after him in proximity? Doing the right things, being in the right places, saying the right things. You following close to him in character, but not in obedience? Are you following with both? In Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, I love this. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Walking that path to success means getting rid of the dead weight. Consecration is literally setting something apart as sacred. That something is us. We need to be set apart as sacred. You are sacred. You are supposed to be holy, you have a divine purpose. You can have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. But that's going to take a cleansing. That's going to take an intentionality because there is sin that so easily entangles and hinders. Proximity and character. Following close with our heart and our bodies. And so the Israelites do this, and they follow behind the ark as instructed until they get to the Jordan River. And it's in flood season, so it would be actually very dangerous for them to decide to cross this river. And once again, God does this amazing miracle, and the moment that the priest's foot touched the water, God actually just stops the water on one side and lets it run off on the other until all of the nation of Israel can cross through. Sounds familiar, right? Because God can do exactly what he did in the past today. He's able. Nothing was too big or great to get in the way of God's plan for his people. But sometimes we forget that. And so Joshua chapter 4, again, right at the top at verse 1. And when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you. And put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, 
Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. There's so much power in story because we are forgetful people. And we need to be reminded that God is able. We need to be reminded that he cares for us. We need to be reminded that he's near. Because we forget. And there's no better way to do that than to set up places of remembrance in your life. And maybe that's just jotting down a note underneath a photo in an album of the story surrounding that time period. Maybe it's a journal that you keep that is just full of God's answered prayers and his faithfulness. Maybe it's a note in the margin of your Bible. Maybe it's a story that just becomes tradition to come up around a certain time of year. Whatever it is, where are you going to turn to to be reminded when it gets tough in 2019? And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's going to get tough in 2019. Where are you going to turn to to be reminded that God is able? Where are you going to turn to to be reminded that this is not new to him? That he has this and he has you. Where are you going to turn to to be reminded that we can stand in peace no matter what storm we're in because we have one who's fighting for us? But don't just stop there. The times of memorial, those places that we set up, they're not for us alone. Who are you going to tell your stories of faithfulness to? Because we did next-gen ministry for a long time. You know what broke my heart? was when we had teenagers questioning if God loved them because they were facing hard things. And that wasn't a failure on God's part. It was a failure on our part. As adults as aunts and uncles and parents and grandparents to say, I was facing this and God did. And instead of sharing our stories, we kept them to ourselves and we only showed them the smiles. We only let them see after the victory. Not the hard things before it. Your story isn't for you. And it's not for anyone your age either. Your story is for your kids and your grandkids and their kids. Your story is for those kids right there in that room. It's for those kids in that room and for them in there. And if we fail them, 
church, let's pack up and go home because then the next generation of God can't stand up and fight for their own stories. Our stories can't die with us. They have to be pillars of memorial for the next generation so that when they ask, why, Grandma, what's this note here for? Well, let me tell you. Why is that picture important? Let me tell you. Where are your places of memorial? And if you don't have them, make it a habit this year. Do the hard work of creating them. And following that, Joshua makes it to Jericho. If you want to hear the crazy battle strategies of God, then just read Joshua 5 and continue into Judges because God has the craziest battle strategies that make zero sense, which is, again, why we need to send spies into the promised land because our own good ideas and our own ideas of how to get there are going to fail when his creative, fresh way of winning the battle always works. From dream to destination, Joshua gave three commands. Prepare, consecrate, and remember. That's it. And there's such an anticipation in my spirit for 2019. In 2018, God was just whispering some really big dreams into my heart and into Lucas's and we're not going to tell you what they are yet. But they're dreams that I am not okay with sleepwalking past. I'm not okay to blink and have it be 2020 and not see them come to fruition. They're dreams that I'm willing to do the hard things for and fight for because they mean that people far from Jesus find him. It means that Jesus' name is famous in Powell River, and it means being attractional, living lives of health and wholeness that are attractive to a world that's broken and hurting. But it also means hard things. It means sacrifice. It means preparation. It means waiting and listening. And I don't do that well. And I know what I'm fighting for this year, but what are you fighting for? Who are you fighting for? Is it a child that's walked away from the faith that they've been raised in? Is it your coworker? Is it your neighbor? Who is it? Choose it. Declare it. Put their name somewhere. Allow the fight to motivate you, the mission, because there's going to be hard times coming. It's not going to be easy. And so we have to gather the obvious and we have to listen for the new and fresh and innovative because that person, that mission, they're too important to sleepwalk past. 
It's going to mean following close as God leads because this is territory you've never been in before. And setting ourselves apart from that which entangles us for the mission. And it's going to mean that we set moments aside to celebrate the victories when they come so that that can sustain us through the fight. Let's make no mistake. There will be. There will be storms. And there will be trials. And there will be hard times. But we serve a God who is greater. And we serve a mission that's worth every single one. Amen. We're going to call the worship team back and let me pray for you, for me, and for us. God, thank you so much that we get to be part of your story. What a humbling reality that you chose us to be your image bearers and you chose us to be part of seeing people come to life and hope and love in you. God, we stand at the verge of another year that is going to go faster than last. And though we can know all of the right things to do, God, unless you help us to be intentional with our steps and our choices, knowing alone is going to do nothing. So would you help us to be people that choose to follow you? that do the hard things, that gather up what we know, but listen to you for the things that we don't. Would you help us to be people that are quick in obedience, to follow your leading as we navigate everything new, even the things that we know are new that we can have homes that are healthy so that we can be healthy and be a, a light to a world that needs you. Would you help us to be set apart for you? And God, we all have our temptations. We all have those things that trip us up. Would you help us to lay those at your feet? Because the mission is too important. Mission's too important.